I'm Donald Trump and I approve this message. Folks, I'm running for president again. A lot of people have been asking me, Mr. President, what's your campaign platform? And I say, folks, we can't be woke. The Democrats are woke and we can't be like the Democrats, can we, folks? If you elect me as your president in 2024, we're gonna be sleeping like you've never seen, believe me. We're gonna be doing so much sleeping, you're gonna be tired of sleeping. It's very important to get a good night's sleep. You know why Sleepy Joe's so sleepy? He's so woke that he doesn't sleep, it's very sad. You've gotta get sleep, folks, it's very important. Biden fell asleep at a big climate conference because he's not getting good sleep. I would never do that because I'd never go to a climate conference, folks, believe me. When I'm president again, we're gonna be hibernating for four years, maybe longer. We're not gonna be doing any legislation, any executive orders, any foreign diplomacy, because that's just what the woke Democrats want us to do. But we're not gonna be doing that. We're gonna be sleeping soundly and beautifully like you wouldn't believe. And we're gonna be making America great again, again. This message is brought to you by your dad. That's right, your dad donated to the Trump campaign. Whoa! Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. Thank you for sitting through, uh, you know, our first real round of sponsors since we had Vin Diesel on the podcast, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, those those are top-notch brand reads. We, we love our sponsors, don't we, folks? <laughs> they're, they're great. They're fantastic. Uh, we wholeheartedly endorse whatever they're about. Absolutely. We know <laughs> what came before this podcast, as any podcast does. Um, joining us. At the table is Michael Dixon. Who left the fridge open? <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, uh, what's up, guys? Um, we're, I'm, I don't even know, man. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, I, this movie, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I'm excited. And I, I hope that our other uh, co-host, Ryan King, has a, a quip ready-made, too. You, what do you got, Ryan? Come on, let it loose. Uh, I, got, I got something to say to you. You guys, you guys are my brothers. <laughs> I'm trying to cry as hard as I can, too, right? I'm trying. Um, yeah, and on this episode, we are talking about uh, a movie that satirizes Hollywood that reveals a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff for the, the fun of it. Um, and that movie is Tropic Thunder, uh, which is, oh, what is that? Hold on. Wh- which year is that? 2008. 2008. Yeah, 2008. Yeah, so Tropic Thunder tells the story of a group of people trying to shoot what is essentially platoon um, (laughs) in in Vietnam, Uh, and the actors are all a bunch of prima donnas who the director gets a great idea to go and just put them actually into the thick of it and shoot the film guerrilla style, and immediately the director dies, and everybody has to try to figure out through the movie that they're not actually in a movie simulation, that they're in real danger. Um, and it's it's got just an all-star ensemble cast of of comedy gold. You've got Ben Stiller, Jack Black, Robert Downey Jr., Jay Burchell. Was that is that who it is? Burchell, yeah. Jay Burchell. Um, I mean, like Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan, yes, of course. Tom Dixon's, Cruise, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Uh, all great, just 
fantastic star-studded affair. Nick and Nolte? Nick Nolte, even. Nick Nolte. Yeah, Danny yeah. McBride? Danny, yeah, we could just keep naming them. <laughs> Who else is in this? <laughs> uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, obviously. Uh, Toby uh, Maguire. <laughs> yeah, McConaughey, right? Yeah, McConaughey's. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Bill Hader and... Kevin Hart, Mark, Tom Cruise wasn't in Mark? this at all. But Kevin Hart's not in this. <laughs> the Rock, yeah. Uh, yeah, so many people. <laughs> uh, we'll name them all, and you sort them out. Okay, that's just the way this will go. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie. I have not seen this movie in so long. I think the last time I actually saw it was in theaters. I don't think that I saw it on Blu-ray after there was uh, a quite a lull in my life where I just kind of think because it became so ubiquitous and there were so many quotes being thrown at me constantly mm-hmm. i had no desire to go back to it um it's probably it's one of those like bro movies to me but at the same time i know it doesn't just appeal to bros it's funny in general um so i decided with us watching fast x and just the absurd over-the-top nature of that movie that whole franchise too i was like you know what i want something that skewers how bombastic hollywood can be uh, I, I want something that has a lot of controversy around it because I've never gone back to explore that controversy now. So I was like, Hey, Tropic Thunder is perfect for both of these things. <laughs> um, I remember it had a lot of controversy when it came out. It still seems to have uh, like YouTube videos that are recommended to me even now. And probably one of the reasons why I was influenced to pick it too, was seeing like an interview with Dion Cole about, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in it. <laughs> and it just being like, okay, I guess I will watch this. <laughs> I'm interested to see what comedians think about it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know from when I first saw it, I really enjoyed it. I don't know that I loved it, but upon watching it a second time, I fucking love it now. Um, and upon watching the commentary too, which has Robert Downey Jr. in full character, because <laughs> in the movie he himself said that he would not break character until after the commentary track is done. Oh, right. He, did say he, that. he fully committed to it. Yeah, this was a fun scene to shoot. Was it? it I was, was there, and I don't remember it as such. <laughs> How do Death. you remember it? Unadulterated torture. Really? No, it was fun. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, here I come, though. Everybody shut up. And that made the movie great and rewatchable. <laughs> Have another layer of funny to it. Um, I mean, there's, there's, I can say a lot about like the cinematography and it's kind of one of those movies that it is about Hollywood. And I think that they do a really good job representing sort of the production, the producing portion of it. it has like a whole cold open that is like a heightened version of platoon. Um, and there's just so much that's going on in that that has like subtleties of the characters fucking up their lines and messing up certain things. And, um, well, there's the cold open of the trailers first, the cold open of the trailers. Yeah. 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 Um, and then there's the cold open of the movie and then there's a pullback to reveal that it's all just part of the stage production and you're going to follow these characters and explore like the meta of it. Um, and I've always just found, I like meta movies and I end up always enjoying them. Uh, but I remembered, um, I, I just didn't know how I felt about this after so long going back to it. Uh, I don't know that I can say anything about the score. I don't really want to talk about the cinematography. I like talking more about the jokes and the way that this story plays out. Cause I think that's like the key meat of it. I know that like the cinematography and the score are sort of the tools to get to those jokes and get to the, the whole motif that it has underlying it. And I'm not even mentioning Tom Cruise yet and how <laughs> this is probably his best 
performance in any movie. It's his best role, in my opinion. Oh, wow. <laughs> Have you seen Eyes Wide Shut? I was going to say, <laughs> initially, I was going to tack on since Eyes Wide Shut. But honestly, <laughs> this the fact that he insisted he have bigger hands for this role yes. and <laughs> made his own suggestions for the wardrobe, he really explored the character and got into the skin of Les Grossman. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious what y'all think. So I'll, I'll kick things over. I started this in a, a reversed order. So I already fucked things up. Uh, usually yeah. we have Ryan go, but, uh, Dixon, you want to take it? Sure. Yeah. So I was kind of in a similar situation to you. I had seen this, I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I saw it shortly after it came out and I remember liking it, but not loving it to the degree that everyone else did. And that's kind of how I came down on this watch as well. I, I liked it a lot. I think there's a lot of really interesting commentary about Hollywood and how it works and about specific types of actors in Hollywood, you know, the the action star who's really stupid and just wants to be taken seriously. The uh, you know, the the comedy actor who just farts but like actually isn't talented at all, but he makes a ton of money. And the method actor who has no idea who he is as a person <laughs> to the point where he doesn't even take off the makeup from the old role and just keeps putting on more layers of makeup <laughs> for the next role. Um like all that stuff is is pretty funny and and well done. I think um you know kind of where I like I I, I like the movie. I think it's really well done. The the core characters are very flat and I think like that's kind of by design, but for me, I, I kind of wish there was a little bit more to grab onto there. I'm also not the biggest Ben Stiller fan in a comedic capacity. I actually think he's a much better dramatic actor than he is a, a comedic actor. Um, like the Meyerowitz stories and Brad status and a few other things that he's done in recent years. I think he's actually really great when he decides to do more dramatic roles. But um, I, I think it's a brilliant concept and it's really well executed. I enjoyed the side characters a lot more than I did the main cast. So, you know, the three top build guys, Stiller, Blackjack and Denny Jr. Like they're, they're all fine in what they're doing. I don't know that there's a lot there necessarily in any of those characters. I, I really enjoyed the movie more when Matthew McConaughey is on screen or Tom Cruise or Danny McBride or Steve Coogan and these other side characters who add some more like life to the movie, I think, than the the general main plot that's like, it's fine, but I, I found myself kind of like just waiting until they went back to some of the side characters to add a little more kind of spice and, and humor into the movie. But overall, I think it's, it's uh, you know, really well done, really funny. It's kind of crazy that a major studio made this and it's yeah. just eviscerating everything that they do. Um, which is, is pretty wild. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall, I, th I think, I think it's really smart. It's funny. It's definitely, definitely worth watching. So I'll, I'll, I'll kick it over to Ryan. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's funny cause it's like the exact same story for me that I think I watched this. I know I didn't watch it in theaters. I watched it probably after it came out, but probably 2008 or early 2009, I, you know, it was right around the time it came out. I remember liking it. I remember some, you know, vague things. I remember being funny and it does get referenced. So it just, you know, kind of comes back up. Mm -hmm. Rewatching it this time almost immediately, especially with the open into the like the fake uh, ads and trailers at the beginning. I was like, I don't remember this. <laughs> I, now, like, now, now I remember that, that it was there, but like I wouldn't have been able to recall it until now that I'm watching it. And immediately was like, this is hilarious. Like I just watching it, I'm like, oh man, I remember this is so hilarious. And then I really was just 
kind of along for the ride really early on. And I think I walked away liking it even more than I previously had enough to like want to kind of add it to my my list of like rewatches or, or, or more broadly like a recommend type of movie. It is interesting now because I'm trying to put the perspective of, and I think this is a good discussion, the Robert Downey Jr.'s character and the mm-hmm. careful line of like what it balances as well as um, <laughs> Ben Stiller's performance as Simple Jack yep. and, and what that says. And definitely, I would say probably the most controversial bit comes between the two of them having a conversation about that. Um, but it, 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 yeah, it would be interesting to explore that as well as uh, as I've been thinking about satires over the years and we've had a discussion a couple times like when it when it works and when it doesn't work. This one, I feel like it does a really good job of, yeah, eviscerating Hollywood and the Hollywood process, but has a storyline that you're invested in enough. I don't think you mm-hmm. really care, you know, necessarily what happened. If they all like blew up at the end, you'd laugh. Like honestly, right? Yeah. right? Like it could go any kind of direction, but it takes you along for the ride, um, which I kind of like, like, I think completely even on the further like lampooning sign of something like Monty Python or Airplane, they still vaguely have a plot. And I, I feel like the satires that don't are the ones that fall apart and they're all like hard references to modern stuff. This has references, but they're much, they're on the nose, so to speak, but they're a little more just part of the the element of this as a satire and not just like a, haha, we made a reference kind of shit. Um, yeah. The fact that yeah, so I think I really appreciate that. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that immediately made me laugh because I was like, "Oh fuck, dude, TiVo! Oh my god!" Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck yeah that was Something one where I was like, "I don't exist know anymore." Yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, that's a very short window that people are gonna have to be like, "What the fuck was all that about?" What the fuck? I think it's TiVo? honestly great because, in my opinion, TiVo is shit from the get go. Anyway, oh yeah, and oh, yeah. to have it be the Chekhov's gun of this movie <laughs> and that it's only good use is to block a fucking missile <laughs> is pretty amazing. Uh, somehow timeless. Yeah. <laughs> Agree. I do remember Tom Cruise's performance um, f- from before and just, Oh my God, <laughs> is it amazing? I hate Tom Cruise, but I can't, <laughs> I can't not hate Lex Grossman. He's amazing. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't understand what's going on there. I actually Ugh. legitimately think in the scene, like in the main scene where he dances and, and it kind of just all unravels. I was just watching Bill Hader in the background this time because for a man who ad libs so much. A nutless monkey uh, could do your job. Yes, I can. I feel like I'm actually like watching in the background Bill Hader processing like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> what the fuck do I do? Like, I have to ad lib along with this. I have no idea what ride we're on. Like, <laughs> which, is, which is, is strange for him. Apple bottom jeans. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> See, this is the good part, Pecker. It's when Jug gets fun. Ask, and you shall receive. All right. You play ball? We play ball. I know you want the goodies. Welcome to the goodie room. You paying attention? Because I'm talking G5. That's how you're going to roll. No more frequent flyer bitch miles from my boy. Mm. Oh, yeah. 
Player. Player. Big dick player. Swinging past your knees. Big dick, baby. Yep. Or you can grow a conscience in the next five minutes and see where that takes you. So I, 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 yeah, I can even appreciate the little, the little parts in this and, and, and things like that. I agree. Like, yeah, parts, Danny McBride, I was like, oh shit, Danny McBride. I don't even remember him being in this. Yeah. I enjoyed watching him. He's another person that just plays himself every single time, I think. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's but it usually fine. works. You know? Like I never yeah. get tired of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So through and through and through, I'm like, man, I, I hella enjoyed this rewatch <laughs> and, and so much stuff that I just didn't even remember that, that cracked me up even more this time. Yeah. When uh when when John you decided to to do this, I decided to buy the 4K that uh, was, I was like I don't know how long this is going to be available online mm. because it's so it crosses so many social and cultural lines today that you can't do anymore. And I was just like I don't know how long this is going to be like streaming platforms at some point are going to be pressured to pull this off, right? So I just I went ahead and bought the disc and um they had the the theatrical cut in 4K and the director's cut on Blu-ray. So I watched the theatrical cut because it was in 4K and it looked really great. Like it was shot on film in 2008. So like it was, you know, one of the later 35 millimeter mm-hmm. movies and it looked it looked incredible in 4K. But I was curious because Stiller oversaw the 4K restoration, but he did it of the theatrical cut and not of his own director's cut. So right, I thought that was right. weird. Um, but did you guys do you, which which version did you guys watch? I, I watched the theatrical cut. I think I probably watched the unrated cut or whatever back in the day because that's kind of what came out i i do feel like that was an of the time i'm not sure that that was something where ben stiller was like oh here's what we need to have yeah it felt like back then like that kind of like mid-ish 2000 like every that, movie that had a director every cut. movie had to have uh-huh. a, yeah a cut with like more shit in it that came out that was like driving dvd sales because it was different than what you saw in the theater yeah. which yeah. this thing was like hot it, like it sold a lot <laughs> it was very mm-hmm. successful on, yeah. on that home release. I ended up watching the uh, director's cut because I bought the used Blu-ray at like a half price books. And oh, I was nice. like, all right, I'll just check this out. I did not realize it's the director's cut. It's like there, it's almost like it's a, ashamed of it. Like the director's cut piece is very small at the <laughs> bottom. Like I didn't even notice. I think it's, it's like it's 12 minutes from, longer or something. Yeah. So. And it's away from the title. Like it's really far away from the title. So you have to look for <laughs> it to be like, Oh, uh, and it wasn't until I was watching the commentary track that Ben Stiller was like, yeah, this is the part that we actually had to take out from the movie because they felt like it was redundant. And most of the things he brought up were like accurate to the pacing. Like it really didn't help with anything. It's a little indulgent. And so when I was watching this time, as much as I enjoyed it, there were parts where I was like, man, I really don't remember this. Like, did they do this part? Cause it seems like it's a little bit like longer for this or that. Um, they added more like guts and uh, blood and yeah. stuff. And, it was like okay, and Vince they're already like, yeah, we had to quite a bit in the theatrical cut. Yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to see that that piece of it, but it didn't add anything extra, and you're not really missing out on a whole lot. I just don't know. Did they have a similar? Did the theatrical cut have Matthew McConaughey looking at a book full of boobs? Is that no. a thing? Okay, well, no. the director's cut okay, just has no. that. There's just oh, like a scene man. when he's like, I feel like I missed out. <laughs> when he's in like his agent room when you first meet him, he goes and sits down and he's reading a book while he's talking to Tugger Nuts. And, and the, the book hey, is Tugger Nuts. Li- it's literally just women with boobs, and he closes it, and even the front cover is just a big shot of boobs. Incredible. And that's all that he has on his desk. <laughs> it's like it's like Boob Weekly or something. Yeah, like. yeah, basically. <laughs> But yeah, Ben Ben Stower said that uh, McConaughey took that role super serious. That 
he was going to cast, I think he was scheduled to cast a Owen Wilson, but that was at the time that Owen Wilson had like a whole mental crisis. Uh, and so McConaughey stepped in and was excited and was like, what do you think that my character is like? Like, uh, would he, would he be into this? Or like, uh, <laughs> how, how, how about this? And he was just like making up his own shit about who Amazing. Rick Pecker was or whatever. <laughs> He's so good so in it good. too. Like uh, Wilson would have done that well, but McConaughey is just fucking knocks it out oh, of the yeah. park. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. That feels like exactly the kind of thing. It, it looks like, right. It's just like extended scenes or a little bit more blood, but I feel like the boob thing is one of those like, Film specifically for the DVD. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. all right, guys, let's get another weird ass scene in here. We can put on the DVD. All right, continuing <laughs> on. Right, like they said, we could do unrated. Let's just do yeah. it. Why not? Fuck <laughs> it. Um, That's funny. Yeah, talking about like a big studio getting away with or like doing this, not getting away with doing this. A big studio greenlighting this movie. They blow so much of their budget in that opening shot, which is the botched explosion scene. It's so uh, fucking cool. <laughs> and it's a great meta moment, too, where you're just like, wow, they really blew up that much just to see a whole sequence of, of Steve Coogan just being like outraged that they didn't get the shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they destroyed a part of a forest. Yeah. To make just, this movie. <laughs> yeah. Jack Black said that uh, he felt the heat in his trailer from the explosion. I bet. <laughs> he was just wow. filming it with his phone. Oh, man. Yeah, there's so much that I love about it from, okay, let's talk about like if you made this movie, which we just kind of just alluded Dixon that this kind of movie can't be made. There's a whole controversy mm. about whether or not a movie like this can ever be made again. And it's, I feel like it's a repeating thing, but as culture progresses, it just kind of falls out of form to do something like yeah. this. Um, there but, was a, there was a Mr. Show episode or like a, a with Bob and David on Netflix when they rebooted Mr. Show. And one yeah. of the episodes got pulled and it was like, there was a, a white character in blackface, but it was making fun of white people who do blackface and they still pulled it. So it's like, yeah. I feel like it's just like, you can't, you can't cross that line at this point. You know, like, it's become, there was a, uh, so, um, I was gonna, but the question I was going to ask was if this movie was made today, what would you see in terms of effects and like production and stuff? Because I don't think that the budget would be allowed for practical the way it is oh, now. Oh yes. That's I what you were, I was talking about like the, the cultural boundaries. But it's also crossing, that, but yeah. yeah, it's also that there's like, it's twofold here. Um, yeah, no, you couldn't get this kind of budget for a comedy anymore. No, definitely yeah, not. Right. Don't, yeah. Comedies don't sell. Yeah, they just don't no. do that. So yeah. fuck that. Um, but, but it's one of those things where like, uh, think about the conversation. Let's just rip the bandaid off. Let's talk about, sorry, rip the bandage off. We're not sponsored by bandaids. Uh, <laughs> um, we know that they didn't do the you, ad at the yeah, start. They did not yeah. do that. <laughs> we don't it's, know who it's did, okay but it wasn't say, <laughs> We will find you. We will it's okay if you say business. we rip the bandaid brand off. Yeah, there like you go. Like if you put that after it. Podcast, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about the conversation that uh, Kirk Lazarus playing Lincoln Osiris, I believe is the character's name, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, has with uh, Speed Tugman. Tuggernuts. Tug Speedman. Tug Speedman. His first you, name is Tug. You called Jack Black Black Jack earlier? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that that yes, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but yeah, uh, Tug Speedman. Um, <laughs> they have a whole conversation in the jungle about Simple Jack, which is the movie that Tug Speedman had done where he plays uh, a simple man, simple Jack, who has some kind of thing that like just Ben Spiller (laughs) has this whole aspect of tug speedman where he just doesn't understand what trying to get an Oscar is. And it opens up this conversation about what Oscar bait can be. 
Um, and so they have this whole conversation about a mentally challenged man. And uh, Kirk Lazarus is giving tips of everybody knows you never go full retard. And it, it has this whole conversation with him. And that apparently sparked, of course, a controversy within uh, the like differently abled community where they were talking about how that's really insensitive. Why would you bring that up? Um, this brings me to another point real quick, just an aside. I thought this movie was co-written by Ethan Cohen. It's Ethan Cohen. I saw uh, that. I said, what the Ethan fuck? <laughs> it was, I was fooled for a second, <laughs> much like Bill Murray was when he <laughs> went to go be he in Garfield, Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> which he thought was by the Cohen brothers, what? but it was spelled differently. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, there was this whole thing when they did a test screening of it and there was an uproar about that conversation. They then went and they didn't even recut those sequences, but they they did something else to like explain it. And then they just re-showed it to the same group of people and it kind of got the same reaction. And they were like, well, we're just going to go out with it like, yeah. as it is. And uh, Etten Cohen or Eaton Cohen, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, uh, has is on record saying like, this is a whole conversation that satirizes what Oscar bait is. It satirizes what somebody thinks they should do to go above and beyond for their acting career. Check it out. Dustin Hoffman, Ray Man, look retarded, act retarded, not retarded. Count two picks, cheated cards, autistic, show, not retarded. You got Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump. Slow, yes, retarded, maybe, braces on his legs, but he charmed the pants off next to him and he won a ping pong competition. That ain't retarded. And he was a goddamn war hero. Right. You know any retarded war heroes? You went full retard, man. Never go for retard. You don't buy that? Ask Sean Penn, 2001, I am saying. Remember? Went for retard. Went home empty handed. And the entire time that I watched this conversation, uh, Ryan, I don't know if you thought about this too, but I just thought about John Travolta. I just thought about John Travolta in Fanatic, like the whole oh, time. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, I didn't. Now that you mention it. <laughs> <laughs> and now John Travolta's performance in Fred Durst's directed Fanatic. <laughs> Um, is the equivalent of what Tug Speedman did, where he just watched all of these movies with people trying to portray this different cognition and then being like, yeah, I just played a stupid person. Like, and just <laughs> bubbling it down to something that is so reductive and offensive. Um, and I thought that that was really biting, and I thought that that did what it needed to do. But I'm curious how y'all kind of interpreted it. How did you feel about that? Yeah, I don't think the movie is is trying to be like hateful at all. Like, is it being insensitive? Probably. Mm. Um, you know, but like, I don't. It, that's also like it's one of the most enduring quotes from the movie. You know, it's like probably the most quoted line, like the most yeah. from the movie that yep. is just said. All like I still hear people say that line, um, and it's like it is. It is really funny to see these actors talking about this, and like the movie is really eviscerating actors who are like trying to win awards and like I, I i actually the thing that i was drawing most parallels to was stallone with uh stiller's performance because like there's all these rambo 2 references mm -hmm. and the movie feels it's like yes it's parodying P platoon but i feel like in even more ways it's parodying rambo 2 because like that movie is like turning you know, a Vietnam War story into a yay, let's go America thing, which is just like not what Vietnam was and not what any Vietnam War movie has ever been, you know, and, and it's kind of, uh, you know, parodying that idea. Um, and like, 
I don't know. I, I, I thought it was an interesting conversation and a funny conversation. And, you know, the the fact that Kirk Lazarus is the one pointing that out while he's in right. blackface yes. is makes it even funnier, you know, because <laughs> he's like completely changing himself into every role and like take like, you know, a lot of the conversation now is that like if you have a mentally challenged character, they should be played by a mentally challenged actor. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when uh, studios make that choice, it, it actually works really well. But, you know, there's also like, oh, if you have a role for a black guy, don't fucking cast a white guy and <laughs> yes. paint him black. Like, it's fucking absurd. Um, and so, like, the whole the whole context for the conversation is ridiculous. And I think it's it's pretty fucking funny, like, the, the way they break it down and, and get into it and how kind of, like, tug at the end of the conversation still kind of doesn't really get it you know and it's just i i don't know i, I think it's pretty funny yeah yeah um, it i think that it's that fine line of satire that's so often hard <laughs> it, it's hard to understand and it's hard to tell when something is satirical and when something is serious i feel mm-hmm. like in this movie it should be fairly obvious it's satirical yeah. but you could take it just out of context and not really and and if you just saw that you would think wow that's fucked up um mm-hmm. and and i guess maybe that's some of what the buzz around this movie was was just that without having the full context of it but i think issues with satire going all the way back if we you know like i, I always think of like voltaire or um what was the one about eating children? The, the oh yeah, uh, a modest proposal. Modest proposal that some people take seriously, or even further, there are things where it's like I'm not sure if Plato's The Republic is a satire or a realistic, right? Because it is hard to tell sometimes taking something to an extreme. Um, it's clear that the character of Simple Jack is wrong. Yeah. And yeah that him playing it is wrong within the context of the movie. He doesn't get redeemed for playing that character at the end. It, it no. never really it right. Um, the same kind of goes for Lazarus, I think. And, and definitely it's interesting that this is, it still was quite a while from 2008 to really getting some comeuppance in Hollywood of, Re- you know, whitewashing characters and yeah. even as far as like whitewashing voice acting mm-hmm. and it's still a major problem um it's still certainly a controversy but this movie you know pulls it puts it right on our front street in in a, in a in a good way and i agree the dude playing a dude disguised as a dude telling you you know about <laughs> it's so ridiculous <laughs> to yes. look at it and be like that that's serious I can see the the mild interpretation of the approval of a character like Forrest Gump and being like, oh, that's Oscar worthy and that's okay. Or right. He won Man. a ping pong championship. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. But again, it's like we're it's coming out of the mouth of a character who is trying to justify his own bullshit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, so you need that. I feel like you have to have that context. And that's the that's the the piece with satire is like you really have to put together a lot of things it isn't it isn't a fart joke that yeah, it's yeah. just right on the nose right mm. and so yeah i think that it, it's interesting i from the i i do question i you hear that a lot of like oh you couldn't make that movie today yeah and i i would suspect people in 2008 would be looking back at something like airplane or blazing Monty saddles. python or blade or yeah always blazing saddles yeah, always, always comes saddles. up and be like oh you can't make that movie today 
but it's like, well, once you get away with making this movie right to some extent, um, and then I still think now I'm like, there's stuff that comes out. There is the, yeah, you wouldn't be able to make it at this budget. No way. Because it's not, we just don't make the money in theaters. We used to streaming is a different monetization than being able to put out an unrated DVD into, into every blockbuster. Right. And, and sell like crazy, like it did. So there, there is that piece, but I don't know. Controversy does still sell and probably will still sell. And I kind of doubt it, especially when you have. There's a lot of back deals that made this movie work. That's why there's so many like cameos. There's so many people who are invested into being and making this movie that if you pull together the right people, uh, amazingly, you can make movie 43, you know, fucking whatever. But if you can pull all the right deals, you can get people together and you can make something controversial um, and potentially get it out there. So, and, And I feel like it's really only that sort of those aspects that's that's and you could take those out and still have a decent movie i think so too i think I, that's I, what puts it over the top but yeah yeah i, I think it's just the the reason i think i don't think you make today is like studios are so sensitive to online discourse now and True, if people get right. mad about something on twitter then they'll just pull it because they don't want to deal with it you know and like they're they're worried that people are going to not go watch their other shit because they're mad at them for making something that they thought was controversial or insensitive. That's why you stand up I, a shell production studio and you release right. it. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Your Buena Vista. Nobody ever looks for that, <laughs> that second degree. This is made by uh, Buniversal Pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So on that weird note, it, the trailers at the very beginning open with studio opens. Yeah, that's pretty before, funny. <laughs> before we even get to the studio open for this, I don't know what guilds probably normally wouldn't allow that. I was kind of surprised, but it includes a Fox searchlight. Yeah, yes. for Satan's even Alley. This is, Alley. Yeah. <laughs> even though this is a Yeah. Even though Which looks right. so fucking funny. Fox searchlight still, oh, searchlight still exists now. Yes, it does. But, but yeah. yeah. Um, I was trying to Satan's figure Alley out how, hilarious. Yeah. How did Universal, like, do, be okay with doing that i bet they didn't have to get permission because it was probably under parody law so like they could probably yeah, get away with it yeah i guess it pushes it oh yeah that that movie amazing it's totally I mean, like the, nathan uh, fielder did dumb starbucks and didn't you know got away with it under parody law right like it's it's i think true, you can true you can be pretty liberal with that kind of stuff i know ben stiller pulled a lot of strings to get like favors done like you know mcconaughey stepping in toby mcguire stepped in because he was doing a favor to robert downey jr there was like a bunch of other <laughs> stuff that in the in the like trivia that i read about this and that i heard in the commentary tracks where it was like people just really wanted to make this movie happen for ben stiller and apparently he'd had this whole idea for god what was it like 10 plus years he he got the whole yeah, from when he was from, working on empire of the sun yeah empire of the sun because he had a friend who worked on <laughs> platoon ah. and he thought it was hilarious because his friend was like yeah they sent me to this boot camp and it was like so intense i feel like a real soldier now and he Duh. thought it was just really <laughs> funny that actors would go to like a mock boot camp and like feel as though they could actually do it's even a plot point in, yeah. the, in the movie and right, he made it a right. whole point like the initial story was just going to be about the actors going to that boot camp and coming back with ptsd and that Duh. was going to be it but uh, it just expanded as he started to write more. And I think he, I'm glad that it had the time it had to cook from like, you know, Empire of the Sun to to now. Uh, it, it was sort of like this 
whole moment where Ben Stewart made all the connections he needed to make and he could just pull this together and get, and Robert Downey Jr. was very standoffish about doing, uh, Kirk Lazarus's character. And the only reason he agreed was because the script was so fucking good to him that he was like, <laughs> yeah, I have to, this is just a great satire. I want to fucking do this. This would be fantastic. Like even Jack Black didn't want to do this movie. He didn't want to dye his hair blonde. Oh really? Um, but like yeah. that was, was the reason. Yeah, that was the reason, and everybody was. But apparently, everybody just compelled by the script. I suppose it's also the Dude. movie is so much funnier because Robert Downey Jr. was actually nominated for an Oscar for this <laughs> yes. performance. Yes, like, <laughs> fucking wild. Like it's it's amazing how stupid Hollywood is that you can like eviscerate them completely in a satire that is so on the nose, and they just like don't even notice it, and they're like, oh wow, he disappeared into the role. Oscar nom, like <laughs> fucking wild. <laughs> but, I, but he did like it's yes. a really amazing <laughs> performance for what it is. It's quite ridiculous. He did it all the way through the commentary track, as promised. <laughs> oh man, he did so many accents. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I read. Yeah. I read that he did the Australian accent because that was the one that he could. He thought he could easily pull off. Oh yeah, to make him Australian had, versus whatever it was supposed to like. It was yeah, it was supposed to be Irish yeah. initially, but he did because the character of Kirk Lazarus was supposed to be an amalgamation of like Colin Farrell and uh, Daniel Day Lewis and like one other method actor, uh, <laughs> and so they were going to pull. I guess Ben Stiller was going to pull like an Irish thing. Does together. Colin Farrell do that? I I don't know. I mean, he was the penguin, wasn't he? So he I was. Like he, he, he went. He lost himself in that role. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, like uh, there was just a whole thing of him not wanting to do it. And then he, he goes into it and fucking knocks it out of the park and how absurd it is. Oh, oh man. my God. We, we need to talk about there's a character in this movie named Alpa Space Chino. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. just such a funny name. <laughs> and to they me. set it up like, just so that they can do that one joke where you're like, you're not the real Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> Dog Day Afternoon and all of that. Uh, like so good and he sells chinos and like he's just oh my, oh my god he's like sells that, his booty sweat yes booty sweat and uh nut buster bars bust a nut, bust bar? a nut bars <laughs> yeah nut bars um that i mean that, that like the concept of that character is really funny i don't know that he has much to do uh but it's like the, the fact that they named a guy alpa chino is just so it's so good like, they <laughs> the only thing that that character kind of has is that the arc is coming into comfort with his sexuality yes and that, and that bit is pretty on, good yeah yeah on like hyper masculine uh sort of rap icons and mm -hmm. um they had initially tapped kevin hart to do that role and then kevin hart said, oh no, i didn't know that do it uh, that makes sense actually now <laughs> what, yeah. what we know about kevin hart yeah yeah uh so that that just didn't work out but i still feel like um and they had like I don't know. I feel like every actor brought their own flavor really well to the characters that they portrayed. Like mm -hmm. Jay Burchell does like this whole improvised bit because he kept talking about it on set about HD DVD versus Blu-rays. <laughs> and they were just like, let's just film you talking about that shit. Fuck it. Why not? And he does such a believable. Have you been talking to me this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> Being really fucking annoying about it. <laughs> I really like Jay Burchell whenever I see him and stuff. I feel like for some reason he's just never like, gotten big i don't know why like he's great in this is the end and like whenever i see him it's like oh yeah i love that guy and he's just like you know it seems like he's just kind of never never caught on for some reason yeah he's know. done some like he did uh voice acting like he was in that he's the main guy in the how to train your dragons so he he, oh, he definitely okay. got a, a cash cow 
Oh, that's good. That. Yeah. And sometimes good I wonder when I, yeah, when I see stuff like that where someone's just like, man, I'm just going to keep doing the voice acting for a bit because, yeah, yeah. Like it pays out. And the way DreamWorks works, they, they make something and then they just remake keep it, make a version it. for Netflix, remake it again. Yeah. So it is a really easy, just like keep pulling it in. He's in eight um, episodes of the new Arnold Schwarzenegger um, series on Netflix called Foobar. Oh. I don't think oh. that that series is good. Uh, if I saw if I <laughs> judged the out. trailer correctly. <laughs> They're push they are pushing that, by the way. Too. He was in yeah. Blackberry as well. I gotta go see Blackberry. Oh, I haven't seen to that. Support Jay Burr show. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be my air for this year. Um, oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. Your business movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brian, did you have any particular actor or character or piece that you gravitated towards in this movie? Yeah, kind of talking about each person. Honestly, the the best thing Jack Black does in this is that open for the TV for for the movies that he makes. Oh, and the Nutty how, Professor clone. Yes. Uh, what, what is it called? The, the, uh, the fatties. The fatties part, part, part two. two yeah. yeah. Yes. How on the nose that is. And speaking of a movie, yep, just you, making yes, fun of probably Eddie could still make. Yeah. Um. I man, it, it's so perfect. Like Jack Black mm. is so perfect. And then I would say the other thing is like in general his character. Like I was sitting there being like he. He, he fits it so well because he is a guy that just in a way sort of has no shame per se. Yeah. Like he's willing to just really put himself out there. Um, and that honestly, I'm like, he is a guy that makes jokes about farts and you know, crap like that or whatever. in certain tenacious D songs or episodes or whatever, like they released a new song and the trailer for it is literally like him and Kyle in pretty much the same short shorts that he's in. Like yeah. running down the beach, like, yeah, he it is a perfect fit, I guess, for what that character is or what they moved it into. But yeah, just that, I was like, God, that movie seems so real, like horrifyingly real that that could exist. <laughs> um, and then yeah, the the Tobey Maguire Lazarus movie, which pretty much just is the puppet scene from uh, <laughs> being John Malkovich played out in live action. <laughs> It really is. They might as well pull up and reveal John Cusack. He's <laughs> uh, playing with yeah. their beads. That that trailer uh, is, is so good. Yeah. And it's like exactly something that Searchlight would make. Like, that's just, yeah, it's a great totally, joke. Totally. Yeah. De- definitely um, deserving of the coveted Crying Monkey Award. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I do feel like we're, there are weird parallels in things that have happened to the actors or parts that they've taken since being in this movie um that fit the thing that they're making fun of because i was like looking at i'm like thinking about mcconaughey prior to this and i'm like ah eh, you know he, he was in this train around then right he was starting to get into it and then i'm like wolf of wall street mcconaughey is like lex grossman <laughs> it, <Yeah. laughs> right or, or right He's more like, chill up but, a bit yeah a little bit more chill but yeah that same kind of bullshit guy uh, uh yeah and I'm, I'm like at the time i'm like i think lex grossman is pulling a bit of toby mcguire not fucking shit what's the <laughs> i can't remember the name that's jerry mcguire there's a little uh, bit of a jerry yes. mcguire pull out of it as so as as well as like what mcconaughey like his scenes he's totally like jerry mcguire show me the money kind of bullshit uh-huh yeah as well and it's it's weird to then be like and then he's playing against <laughs> uh tom cruise like there's just weird parallels in there uh and then yeah thinking about like the academy nominations the like nick kids 
Choice Awards yeah, like <laughs> and stuff Kissel that I'm like, award, yeah, yeah that, yeah, that I'm like, yeah, so many people did go on to continue to do these things or kind of be these or play oddly similar ish characters in other things. Uh, just how on the nose, I guess it really is. Yeah, McConaughey is so good in this too, like just playing you know, a vapid agent who thinks his client is his best friend, but clearly knows nothing about him whatsoever. And like loyal to an absurd degree where he turns down, you know, a G5 and an undisclosed (laughs) amount of cash so that he can just get a TiVo to his buddy Tugger Nuts and like does not understand that the TiVo is not the point, right? Like he doesn't, doesn't get that at all in any of the conversations where it's very obvious that the TiVo is not the point, but it's just <laughs> right. He's just all he cares about. Oh shit, my my cash cow may not be happy. Like, can we talk about the uh, the panda scene? Yes, yes, we can. Because <laughs> it's set up at the beginning. Whenever McConaughey calls, when when the pecker calls <laughs> Tucker nuts. So uh, guess who I'm looking at on the back cover of Vanity Fair? <laughs> and it's uh yeah, t- Tug Speedman is just like cuddling pandas, and it's some fucking environmental message. Um, and then later when Tug gets <laughs> lost in the woods, he's like. On, he's watching an episode of Star Trek with the Gorn and Kirk fighting the Gorn, and he's like propped it up in his little tent that he's made. Um, and then, like, here's something he gets into a whole scuffle about it, just kills something, and it turns out to be a cuddly little panda that attacked him. <laughs> and uh, has to ju- he's just compelled to call. Uh, it's like another plot point, it continues on. Like, every conversation he has with oh, yeah. Pecker is something that propels the movie forward to its conclusion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's like, hey, what's going on, Tugger Nets? You get the TiVo set up? And he's like, no TiVo. And he's like, you on set? He's like, I am the set. <laughs> like, I killed the thing that I love most in this world. <laughs> oh, my God. You killed a hooker. <laughs> okay, here's what you're going to do. You're gonna... <laughs> I killed a panda. Amanda probably wasn't even a real name. <laughs> It's just great. Yeah. <laughs> just punch after punch. I forget what all the he said to get like three things, and one of them was like a shit ton of lime. Like, what the fuck? Is that like a disinfectant or what is going on here? A hooker. All right, you killed a hooker. Calm down. Here's what you're gonna do. Get your hands on some bleach, some hydrogen peroxide, and a shitload of lime. Yeah, uh just that whole sequence serves as like another boost because then he spirals out out of concern that Tugger Nuts hasn't received the TiVo and that sends him to Les Grossman. Um, and I was just kind of in awe every time that that see like any kind of interaction happened with McConaughey on screen. He is the cavalry and he will eventually be coming to save Tug Speedman. But uh, it, it's like amazing to me that they made that a plot point for so long. And I remember in the theater just thinking how dumb he was as a character for just wanting the TiVo. <laughs> And then it being the ultimate thing that saves them and me being really happy <laughs> for some reason at the end of it. It was fucking great. <laughs> oh, man. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah. I also want to mention Steve Coogan uh, because yeah, I, 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 I love Steve Coogan, he, who's also in The Other Guys. And um, I love the Trip series, but he's, you know, like a British comedian that is in a decent amount of American movies. But he plays the, the director and I just think he's he's great in this role as like a first time director on a big budget movie who's just scared shitless of Les Grossman and he can't handle the the actors and their egos and just like 
the scene where he is like, all right, we're, yeah, we're going to take him out in the shit. And he's giving them a lecture of like, all right, you know, we're going to be shooting this guerrilla style. You're going to be going out into the woods and doing the scenes yourselves. Here's the fucking scene book in the map. You got to go figure it out and we're going to film it. And it's going to be the best war movie ever. And like turns around and immediately steps on that landmine. And then he's just gone. Like he's set up to be a major character. And then he's just gone from the movie immediately. And that, that scene is just is just so funny in the way that they all react to it. And, then, you know, Tug Speedman is convinced that it's just an effect to like get them psyched up to get in the shit and think things are real. That whole sequence of Tug Speedman <laughs> like yeah. drinking the, it's like, it's just blood. <laughs> I know? think I know a prop head when prop, I see one. I've done blood. a lot more action movies than you. <laughs> Puts his head on the gun, uh, fucks around with the guts and everything. It's just corn syrup. Blood, <laughs> blood flavored <laughs> corn syrup. <laughs> uh, that is actually the, an interesting this, point. Oh yeah, go right. I was going to say the subtleness of that after that explosion as he's like, his parts are like raining down and they just all stand there, like unable to react, like them <laughs> processing it for a while. The same way you use the audience are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's when there's definitely like a switch that flips. Um, I yeah. mean, your first time kind of seeing it, if you didn't know that that was going to happen, that's when everything changes. And then it gets into a little bit moment where the actors are debating. And that was one of those things where like, it's the movie's already played its hand and you know that they're definitely in danger, but. The fact that a lot of things line up, you're like, oh, my God, some of this does seem oddly plausible and weird and how coincidental it is, like mm -hmm. discovering the opium den that they mistake for the camp. And yeah, uh, the, the guys that hear them and come out and they start a firefight, which that whole sequence where <laughs> fucking Tug Speedman is like, this is the scene, everybody. We just got to go and, you know, be gruff. Like, let's get in a real fight. And he's not doing like real military shooting. He's like rolling into frame action style and shooting on one knee and <laughs> with one arm on his machine screaming. gun. Yeah. And, and all the guns have blanks so they can just shoot wherever and it doesn't fucking hit anybody is. Oh man. Yeah, that, that stuff just emphasizes how ludicrous it is. Yeah, and then he chucks a grenade at him right as Danny McBride lights the, the you know, the right. C4 on fire that happens <laughs> to be right where the grenade lands. So, you know, it just, just furthers the absurd misunderstandings. Yeah, beautiful, com beautiful comedy. Just beautiful coincidental comedy. It's just great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I will say the, the like really quality making of this that so many of the other like cranked out shit satires don't have is the the beauty of how the quote story scene that we get at the beginning gets completely replayed at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Like the beat, beat for beat. Yeah. That, 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 that works out well, which I think is something like Shaun of the dead is a, like a perfect example of like, you get that appreciation throughout that movie of how many things are like set up that makes that so much more than just a, like, aha, we're going through laughs. Um, yeah, there's like that definitely really, really appreciate that. Yeah, on the topic of it being uh, just talking about satire and talking about the gore, another thing that oh my god, I love it. They they talk about <laughs> in the commentary and that they kind of been still were meditated on was like, to what degree do you take the gore? Because when we talk about satire and we talk about gore, I think about uh, everybody's favorite, Paul Verhoeven, uh, sure, is fantastic yeah. with his satire and his gore. Um, but he does like excessive, like can make you nauseated at times kind of gore. And this is like way more playful, like the very opening sequence when they reveal the that um, Tug Speedman's hands are blown off in the opening scene. They're like starfished out in a very goofy way, like a Looney Tunes character. <laughs> and they're having like an emotional scene. 
Um, and Ben Stiller said that they had to replace a lot of the props they were using because they were too real. Like when Jay Burchell's character gets like stabbed with a bayonet and the guts are coming out, uh, they had like animal guts and it was like way too real for it. And it, it just wasn't clicking that it was like goofy or funny. And uh, it's another one of those nuances where like they use gore and they use over the top gore and they use campy gore in this really interesting way to keep you distanced from the reality of it at all times, even when the actors are in the thick of shit and they're like going through this opium den camp and everything, there's not this excessive violence that makes you like feel tonally dissonant from the movie. Uh, and it's something that I don't really think about too often. Um, I don't know. Like uh, I, when Paul Verhoeven does it, it's to uh, satirize how over the top American action is. Here it's done in a very similar fashion, but with a different style applied on top to make it funny yeah. and actually like laugh out loud kind of funny. For Hoven's satire is a little more biting, I think, because it's like satirizing fascism and like more real world yeah. things. But yeah, there's a lot of similarities between the two for sure. Yeah, I do feel like Verhoeven's tends to like actually shock in the moment and then the failure of the people there to react the way they should sometimes is what makes it work i'm definitely thinking of like starship troopers where like something horrifically mm. violent and horrible happens and the people around it kind of just like move forward because that's their reality yeah um but the what is it about just completely ridiculous blood spraying that like tells you as an audience, like this is okay. <laughs> yeah, you're talking like Japanese cinema style blood spray. Yeah, yeah. Like yes, when that, that guy gets shot in the head Python. and it's just yeah. spraying like crazy for just like ridiculous. 30 seconds. Like there's no way a human body has that much blood. There's like a whole moment yeah, too. And the scene in that goes scene on and on. Where like uh, uh, Jack Black accidentally, he was talking about how like it was really hard in that moment to act because it was kind of layered where he wasn't supposed to be sprayed in the face. Like from the meta movie standpoint, he was supposed to be trying to like plug that hole or something. And then in the actual meta of movie making, Jeff Portnoy, the character rotates the prop and it sprays him in the face with blood <laughs> and he had to react a certain way. And I was like, dude, that fucking breaks my brain that you would have to think like two levels deep in like, what is the actor I'm playing supposed to think his character is doing versus when he actually fucks up in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But it's it's yeah, like amazing. I, I, the joke where his arms are blown off. I I know like the lines in this that definitely get referenced over and over again. I do have to feel like my favorite joke is probably the when we get back, I'm gonna teach you to chuggle. <laughs> 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 oh man, um, uh, yeah. So it, 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 that and like the what is it? The introduction of Half Squat made me laugh really hard. Oh, yeah. The uh, adopted son, which is a plot point I didn't realize was a plot point carried through. I remembered Ben Stiller having some child at the end that he was like, he's my own son, uh, and it not being the case. But I didn't remember he was trying to do like an adoption at the beginning of the movie. And there was like a whole moment of that <laughs> tying back at the end where he's like, wow, I finally have everything I need. Wait, he's trying to adopt a kid at the beginning of the movie? He was trying to adopt yes. a kid. That must have been in the director's Is cut. Is that just in the director's cut? No, no, no. That was in the theatrical cut because he's was? having the conversation. Yeah, he's having the conversation with Pecker and Pecker's like, it's so wonderful that you can choose your child. And he looks <laughs> Oh, yeah. I forgot son. about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, I Who, then again? And he's like, yeah, it gets like bookended because he's yeah. in the plane at the end and his uh, son is looking out the window. 
still. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause, cause Tug is looking at a kid who's holding a knife at the very beginning and he's like, uh, all the good ones seem to be taken. <laughs> like, and then at the end, because he plays simple Jack and it brings it all together and he gets recognition for playing simple Jack with a small village of opium dwellers, <laughs> uh, like make him perform. What, what does he say? He's like, Five shows a day, like sold out, yeah. sold, out. sold out, yeah, <laughs> like packed so, house. So happy about getting recognition for the thing he thought the academy should recognize him for, <laughs> and then he gets a child who comes to give him a twig and <laughs> a twig academy award figure, yeah. and he's like, "I'll call you half squat." Um, I do when he's giving the performance, and Robert Downey Jr. is like scouting, and he's like, "You know, he's he's like toned down the the dumb shit." He's like, he's getting better as an actor. He's like, like, he's commenting like, <laughs> on his performance instead of scouting out how they're going to attack the place. He's now thinking about how the character, uh, the actor would feel about, or the character would feel about it, and that's allowing the audience to open up a connect. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all coming together. Um, the 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 gag I where at the end he goes back. Like, uh-huh. oh, I gotta go back <laughs> yeah. to the village or whatever. I have my son and this fucking claw in his face or whatever. <laughs> stabbing him in the shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. Stab him in the shoulder and he throws him and it goes instantly like into a doll. Uh, so fucking perfect. Uh, that, that and if, if he very open, the first uh, explosion death that we get has that fucking, the not Wilhelm the Wilhelm scream, scream. but what, whatever the other one. I don't think it's the Wilhelm. It's no, the one other, of them has but the whatever, Wilhelm that, like, scream. Yeah, right yeah. off the bat, it like immediately punctuates it to tell you like this is that hollywood bullshit like you know this (laughs) reference yeah the part where he runs back to the the village is so good because there's so many movies that do that bit at the end where they're like leaving whatever the situation like oh we finally got out of this we can go home and then that one person is like no you know what my place is here you need to go back without (laughs) me so many fucking movies do that and the fact that they do it in this absurd situation where it would never make any sense and Lazarus is like, all right, I guess I gotta let you go. And then, like, of course, thirty seconds later, he's sprinting back. He's like, I was wrong. Pull the bridge. Pull the bridge. Between that, like, that had that subversion, and then earlier too. Oh God, the scene where Lazarus finds him in the fucking den. Which another quote that lives in my head rent free is the I'm a lead farmer, motherfucker. Like that for some reason just always hits. And it's so dumb. The whole like him trying to communicate and stall for time. Uh, but yeah, when Lazarus finds uh, Tug in the room and he's trying to have a whole conversation with him about who he is. And then both actors end up forgetting who they fucking are. And Kirk's yep. like, I don't know. I don't know who I am. Who? What, what can I really be? And they have that He's moment. Like, I'm not Osiris, <laughs> nor am I Father O'Malley. <laughs> <laughs> pulling wigs and makeup off. Uh, and uh, like it ends with him acknowledging, yeah, Kirk Lazar- Lazarus acknowledges who he is. And you think that there's a moment where Tug's going to remember, but he fucking just doesn't. Like he immediately uh, is yeah. like still just in this weird psychosis. And they're like, oh, fuck it. Just pick him up. Like, let's take him. <laughs> just drag him back. <laughs> Uh, just great. I, I was glad that the movie did. I didn't remember if the movie did that or not. I was like, do they actually do this shit? And then when they undercut it, I was like, oh, good. It continues to be funny and witted and <laughs> not like pandering to the things that it's criticizing. So. Uh, well, yeah. Was there anything else that y'all had? I feel like we've kind of talked it through um i guess the other thing that's worth mentioning is nick nolte's character who is like yes. yeah the guy who wrote the book tropic thunder that they're making the movie about who was 
allegedly part of this, you know, secret mission to save like also it's also kind of a parody of saving private Ryan too, right? Because it's like a mission to go save one guy. It's like this is so fucking stupid. Like why would anyone <laughs> ever do this? Um but you know this this guy allegedly, you know, or did write this book and allegedly was involved in all these things and you know he said his hands were blown off in some, you know, horrific event in this whole uh, ordeal. And then you know turns out Fairly early on into the movie. <laughs> well, first of all, he has two hooks, which is hilarious. Yes. Like, that's like some Buster Bluth shit. They just ripped that from Arrested <laughs> Development. Like, that's pretty funny. This like, is why you always leave a note. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's very good with those hooks. Like, he's, you know, you know, smoking and eating fruit and stuff. And just, like, whatever he needs to do with the hooks, he's doing it. So he's practiced a lot with those things. But then, like, you know, pretty early on to the movie, his hooks fall off. He just has hands underneath. And it's like, you know, he admits like, oh, yeah, I never, never been out of the States. Uh, you know, I just, uh, but I'm a patriot. You know, I wrote this book because I love America. And uh, like Danny McBride is so upset about it. And like that kind of shit. Like, I feel like a lot of these war movies just glamorize this military valor to the point of absurdity. And like, I, I like the fact that it kind of pulled the rug out from under that with his character. It's like, no, this guy's a piece of shit. Like, he's just trying to profiteer off of the backs of Americans who died in this situation. And um, I, I liked the way they did that. And then they kept having a recurring joke where people would run into him and like in horrible situations, like bullets are flying around, all kind of crazy shit is happening. And all they can do is like, oh, my God, you have hands. <laughs> yeah, everybody acknowledging it. Like that is so jarring to everyone who runs into him. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I got hands. Come on. Like, <laughs> uh, I want to try to think about what pyrotechnic trick Danny McBride was doing that almost blinded Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. <laughs> on Freaky, Freaky Friday. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid, but I don't remember any pyrotechnics yeah, involved. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I will say on the on the note of, uh, was it Lieutenant Fourleaf? Fourleaf, yes. Character, um, they actually, so the military advisor for this film, Dale Dye, uh, D-Y-E, uh he doesn't have the coolest name yet um he was actually the also the military advisor on platoon really <laughs> yes and stiller had sought out his wisdom and asked him if he'd consult but ben stiller was also very concerned that he might not like making fun of the military and potentially this whole story of somebody who can just like lie their way into fame <laughs> on military coattails and that kind of stuff and he was like yeah, no, we have like a good sense of humor. Like as long as you just don't sh do shit that like uh, you don't have anybody who's in the military that is doing shit. Nobody in the military would ever do. Uh, I'm cool to consult on your film. And I was like, that's a really fucking cool trivia fact. <laughs> yeah. Like such a good sense of humor about it. He was like, fuck yeah, make make fun of whatever you want to. I don't give a shit. I love comedy. <laughs> it's great. Um, but it was just like, ah, that's that's neat. Um, so having that whole four leaf aspect was also there was another scene too where they were gonna homage Jaws. They were gonna do the Quint scene, and that's in oh no way when they were when uh, we're introduced to Les Grossman and he's like, "Which one of you fuck nuts does whatever?" And yeah, uh, Four Leaf is like, "You send him out into the forest and this is how you yeah. do the things." <laughs> and it was gonna yeah. have him like do the whole sort of uh, camera like dolly claw in the window. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that, and then Ben Stiller was like, ah, "That's a bit too much. Let's not do that. We have too many homages <laughs> already in this movie. We don't need the." Jaws thing. I mean, you can still see it in that scene. Yeah, definitely. For sure. The influence is there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and I think that's where like the the references here are subtle enough to become timeless, other than TiVo. Um, because yeah. <laughs> right, we have like the the apocalypse now, right? Of like showing up and finding out Kurtzman's completely changed, but in this case, it's uh, Tug Nuts is now like, yeah. completely uh-huh. in it. Is you know, um. <laughs> But it's fine. Like that's just fine. It's fine on its own. If you haven't seen that, right? It adds depth to know the reference, but it's not trying so hard to be like wink, wink, wink. Look at what this is. I don't know. I just I'm, I can't not point to the like epic movie or the yeah. later scary movies or whatever as like the fault where they want you to know exactly what they're referencing. That they spend so much time on trying so hard to pull that reference without earning it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they there? tried so hard, Ryan, but they, <laughs> well, like staging it exactly the way it was, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. trying to make sure like, like you get it, you get it. Yeah. They have like right, a dude right. in Spartan gear who yells this is Sparta and you're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's not earned. It has nothing to do with what's going on. Right. Yes. Like, yeah, it, it is uh, the distillation of a family guy episode now. So, right. Much, yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, was there I, anything so, else? So Tom Cruise. Yeah, we're going to talk about Tom Cruise. I mean, <laughs> we talked about him Tom earlier. Tom Cruise. I made my assertion this is his best role. Uh, Aside from, you know, Eyes Wide Shut. That's a Kubrick film. It doesn't count. We can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be good. Yeah. Uh, so Tom Cruise is a, he is a person that gets into his roles, like obviously with the Mission Impossible. Yeah. And- I like Tom Cruise. Uh, you know, he, he is what he is. Like you have to understand what he is, but yeah. Yeah. With, with um, with, with Mission Impossible well, and yeah, he's like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a, a, just a quality American who supports uh, child labor. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't believe in medicine uh, or gravity or what? Yeah, we have um, to bleep all of this out. I do not want <laughs> the squirrel hunters want- coming after me. <laughs> do you think is it more likely that Scientologists or uh, <laughs> are listening to this? Like, is that? <laughs> That could be yes. I mean, they have an angle for they're everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere at all times. That's true. They just have people that listen to every podcast just in case. Um, they are litigious. Yes, they are. (laughs) But but like I I don't know that I've ever seen him get necessarily character act acty, so to speak. I feel like he gets into his roles, but at the end of the day, it kind of has always bothered me that he's just a Tom Cruise. And you kind of can't see anything else other than that. Like he's more tug nuts in my mind is like what our archetype is here than Lazarus. But weirdly in sure. this movie, he's Lazarus, right? Like yeah. he's, he is so much into creating this Grossman yeah. character that he just becomes it. And it's unbelievable. It does feel like a release for him, you know, like, oh, I don't have to yeah. be the guy that's carrying this movie and I don't have to be the big action star that's doing all this stuff. I can just be like a weirdo in makeup making jokes like that sounds great. You know, it, it feels like something that he like, was like a relief for him to be able to do. Why, yeah. why else has he never done that? That's the thing, too, is like he could go yeah. anywhere and be like, hey, I want to be in your movie. I want to be this side character and do this completely stupid thing. and. You could just have an alter ego. You just do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like <laughs> have a different SAG credit for, yeah, yeah. for those roles. That'd be pretty funny. Crom twos. Um, so I mean, like John Johnny Depp 
yeah does sure. that right and and i think johnny depp has found now that it's like oh i can just keep doing that and be profitable and I, no one fucking cares i'll disappear into whatever stupid thing i think is funny and he's just gone down that angle forever now yeah. um but it be, it's interesting i'm like because i know tom cruise wants to be the big star too like i don't see him putting it all yeah. aside but it's like you can do one of these every once in a while and i, I, just, I think I cruise think is good else. in the right role with a, a good director who can actually like you know make him do what he wants like he's great and eyes wide shut he's really good in magnolia you know as a pt anderson yeah. movie he's he's good in color of money the scorsese movie it's like you know when he gets a good script and a director who can like have enough clout to actually get him to do what he wants and depart from the you know just tom cruise role like pretty much every movie that he does now he's producing and he is basically yeah. the boss he's not like really like the director is somebody who he has handpicked to make that movie tom cruise is in charge and yeah. so like he doesn't really make those movies anymore where he has the opportunity to like have a really good director be like no i need you to do this and i need you to be this character who is different than just the typical tom cruise role that you always play you know what's interesting too when we're talking about this i think about um the <laughs> the opening scene of once upon a time in hollywood where they talk about rick being the heavy and how the heavy is associated yeah. as the end of your career um and and where you're going in hollywood al pacino's in yeah, that scene al pacino is in that scene <laughs> not this al pacino <laughs> the one you know the yeah. one you've heard of yeah <laughs> um Maybe that's maybe Tom Cruise is. Uh, I don't know what movie he's he trying been? to escape that. Yeah, what movie has he been like a real heavy in? Has he been like a villain? Villain? I know there are some. Oh yeah. Uh oh. Um, he's really good in Collateral. Yeah, in Collateral. Yeah. I've heard he was great in that. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Um, but but it's just one of those things. He's where, like, terrifying in that movie. He he doesn't play well, that character too he, often. No, that was one of those uh, having to undo the Last Samurai. Like that oh, was yeah. definitely like the next year. It's like shit. I gotta. <laughs> yeah, we that was also I gotta, I gotta Mann, unwhitewash so like, myself. There's a director who like has some some clout who can you know kind of convince him to buy into that. But like he's he's like vicious and terrifying in that in that role. Yeah, and I feel like it's one of those things where Tom Cruise wants to do. You know, I want to be a hero. I want to be at the top of things. Uh, he is driven by stunts. Apparently, now he wants to just do. Yeah, he's all just these insane like stunts. wants to be the greatest stunt man to ever live. And it's pretty fucking rad. Like a lot yeah. of shit he does. He's very good so at it. So dope. <laughs> um, it's one of those things where, like, hey man, maybe the Scientology is paying off. Whatever the fuck they're feeding you. I, don't I know. mean, somehow he still <laughs> looks thirty-five, and he's fucking sixty years old now. Yeah, so. whoever they're sacrificing to him, it's working. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> he's probably got several blood oh, he, boys. Yeah, the Elizabeth Bathory method. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, he did do Rock of Ages. Did Rock of Ages? Yeah, Rock of yeah. Ages. I didn't see that, theme? but that definitely feels like a risk for him. That's doing something yeah, that's, weird that's, and stepping yeah. out. So and, I guess he yeah, he's had a couple. I but it's crazy like, how like how many hits he's had. Yeah. Like there's very little that you can be like, oh, that one wasn't or even if it's like bad like Vanilla Sky or something, it mm. made money. Yeah. It made, like, people went and saw it and it made a decent money and nobody remembers it anymore. Uh, I think like the only straight out bomb I can think of that he's in is Legend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. But that was quite. a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, that was ago. what, in the 80s? Like, yeah. That, that was when his, he was, that was just really kind of coming early. into his own. Yeah. Yeah. That movie's uh, awesome. I'm just going to throw <laughs> it out there right now. I think that 
I'd honestly be delighted if Tom Cruise followed Nick Cage's career path and started just showing up in any movie. Oh, would love and that. Like yeah. Swinging for the fences. <laughs> I think that t- uh, Tom Cruise and Nick Cage both swing for the fences really well. I think that they take whatever their performance is and they can push it to they a do. maximal limit. Yeah. It'd be but it, fucking awesome. Nick, Nick Cage feels like he was pushed to be a lead in spite of what he should be, where Tom yes. Cruise definitely is a lead who could be doing something different now. I do. Yes. I am kind uh-huh. of like, I have really have never liked him. And the more push on Scientology, the less I liked him. But now he's in that like uh, Jimmy Stewart kissing a 30 year old. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, the Kim uh, Novak kind phase. of point to yeah, where I'm like, you're too old to be what you're trying to be anymore. Can we do just go do something else, please? Go be something else now. I will reiterate. I know you're not going to watch it, but Top Gun Maverick is I, very good. I'm sure. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I thought Ryan had some kind of John Ham beef with Tom Cruise. Like he went to a fraternity and he ripped a dude's nutsack <laughs> open with a hammer or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Jesus, I, what do these actors keep yeah. doing to Ryan's fraternity? Yeah. <laughs> I do have personal beef with Scientology, which I can get into separately. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to bleep that, the whole episode. That's another, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to bleep that out later. I don't have enough money or lawyers to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm just glad Tom Cruise got to be less gross, man, and get it out. I wish he had been able to reprise the role after the mummy flopped because I feel like he would have put all of his rage and energy into whatever a sequel with Les Grossman would have or some kind of similar character would have because that movie was fucking awful. And, uh, <laughs> I did, did not see it, but a I, full disservice it bad, to, to, yeah. to Tom Cruise. It's pretty bad when my dad goes and sees a, an action movie with Tom Cruise and comes out laughing at how fucking awful it was. Oh, wow. Um, my dad's pretty easy to please. Uh, he watches all 20, 25 days of Hallmark Christmas, okay? like Cruise usually has so much control over his movies nowadays, too, that like that just doesn't happen, right? There's going to be a level of quality there yeah, that, you right, know, like it's right. not going to be laughably bad, but yeah, I heard horrible things about that movie. I'm so sad. We never got to see the Russell Crowe movie that would have come from that. There was going to be a whole monster. Which, universe. which one was that going to be? I don't yeah, know. What? what they, they made him, black he turned Lago- into something at the end or whatever. Of movie, <laughs> and he was going to be like the black lagoon creature. I don't know if that's actually what? true. Russell no, Crowe's in the mummy. I know nothing about the mummy other than that. He's in one the mummy trailer and he that becomes something up. at the end. And they're trying to like, do like the Marvel cinematic universe thing. They're like, no, uh, Russell Crowe's yeah, yeah. going to be the invisible man, like, or whatever. And then they they just I can't like, oh, I can't picture Russell Crowe as like any of the Universal classic monsters. I'm he's gonna like, be the Frankenstein's monster. Maybe he could do I don't know, but like I can't. He's not Dracula. He's not the Invisible Man. Like I can't I can't picture him doing any of those. Yeah. Creature from the Black Lagoon doesn't have lines. He's just a creepy guy that swims and flirts with ladies. Uh, hold on, I need to look it up. Oh, he's Doctor Henry to... Jekyll. Oh, he was Jekyll and Hyde. I can see that. Yeah, that's right. They made him Mr. Hyde by the end of the movie. He's just that normally. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking speaking of people taking completely bonkers roles, I loved Russell Crowe as Zeus in the otherwise passable Thor, Love, and Thunder. Uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder. You're going to bring it up. <laughs> if, uh, Dixon, if there's any Marvel movie you're going to watch, just go, it's not that nah, one, but watch it's not five that one. minutes of Russell Crowe in that movie, and you'll <laughs> yeah, get a just, good laugh. Just get that scene, and you can ignore the other 
Taika Waikiki stuff around that scene, just mm-hmm. the Russell Crowe parts. You probably won't like the edge yeah, of it either, but he's just doing that, what he just thinks that. a Greek accent is. Oh, that sounds funny. <laughs> it's great. I would say I would just rather watch uh, Hercules in New York uh, and see the Zeus <laughs> yeah. holding like a piece of rebar with a curve on the end and throwing it down to earth. You watch a uh, dub or it, no dub? Uh, uh, what do you wait? There's that oh, Hercules in New York is dubbed. Yeah, there's a. Dub oh version. yeah, you <laughs> what? The dub version? I got him. Oh, have to splice version. the dub in, and then it's, the other version. Yeah, it's hard to say which is. The oh, when they oh when they dub over Schwarzenegger's amazing. voice. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yes. no. You want that Schwarzenegger voice <laughs> yes, coming through? Do, I know exactly. the whole thing is not dubbed, just Schwarzenegger. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Yes, yes. I do recall that now. That movie. Oh man. Uh, we've we've gone off the rails here. Yeah, we have that, uh, that is the power of Tropic Thunder. <laughs> it is a comedy that can help you dig deep into other veins of Hollywood. Um, well, then that uh, would we recommend this? Uh, let's start with uh, Dixon. Would you recommend Tropic Thunder to somebody? Uh, yes, I would definitely recommend it. Um, like I said, you know, I didn't I didn't love it, but I liked it. I think it's it's a really fun ride, and there's a lot of memorable quotable lines in it and it's definitely it's definitely a good time so uh, also just the fact that it eviscerates hollywood so poignantly and then hollywood gave robert downey jr an oscar nomination is just <laughs> so a great time. fucking funny to Tickles, me man. so yeah oh man uh ryan would you recommend tropic thunder to, to qualify as a cult classic do you have to not be successful in the first place yes yeah this is not a cult classic right so this is not a, yeah right i feel like this is one it's i made hear like all 200 the time million dollars. Like, yeah it was huge yeah it's, it, it, it's like maybe i don't even think it's like vaguely forgotten it's weird that i see it listed all the time and i'm not i actually saw a list of cult classics the other day that had branded to kill and a couple other things on there where i was like okay now nice. we're talking now we know what the fuck we're talking yep. about yeah, yeah. um this isn't this is not baby's first cult classic um also i know we said we had no last thoughts and i'm spewing out thoughts how dare you in the in the meta like diegetic version of the the academy awards at the end the movie is the movie of the making of the movie right that's the way he wins the award for is that the movie that we watched i guess technically yes (laughs) tropic blunder is what we watched yeah we watched the the actual making of the making of the movie um no i totally i absolutely do recommend this um i more so will probably recommend it than i had the first time around i think it's it's just a good it's fun yeah uh i also would recommend this i would also recommend the audio commentary with robert downey jr on the director's (laughs) cut uh it is delightful and hilarious and it continues the journey of kirk lazarus as lincoln osiris um yeah, yeah. I, I, it, I think we mentioned before that that's kind of a thing that is a medium that's kind of gone. Like, not that they don't do commentaries anymore, which they totally don't. But like now, everything pushing to streaming, it's not like you can yeah. stream. They do, DVD but only commentary? for like boutique releases, like yeah. Criterion or Kino Lorber right. or that kind of stuff. But that's a physical, right? Like you can right. only yeah. if you get a physical. Yeah, it's you hard can to get, get online, that, but it's not online, right? It's kind of crazy to me, considering you have audio, multiple audio tracks too that you could easily mm-hmm. throw that on yeah. there and have a director's commentary. But yeah, if it's like on Netflix, they to. have it in fucking 25 languages. Yeah. Why not one more? Like, yeah. What's just, the problem? And it's not even one more language you have to really adapt. You just like, oh, unless I guess subtitles put on the track, accessibility yeah. is a problem. Uh, the rest of it is literally just throw an audio track on and be done with it. Well, you don't um, even have like yeah. su- the subtitles generate themselves. 
Yeah, you, you can do auto to, like, captions now. I mean, it's half-assed yeah. and lazy, and but, uh, but it doesn't it's, always get it right, you know, but it's good enough. Something tells me some of those languages on Netflix's subtitles aren't good. Oh, yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. Definitely. They're, they're, there's something there. <laughs> I think you're on to something, right? Um, well, yeah, I obviously, we, we all recommend it. There you go. Uh, Tropic Thunder is a comedy that you should check out. It's not a cult comedy. Um, it didn't fail when it came out. Do you have to also, uh, now I'm like all thinking about the rules of what it means to be a cult comedy or a cult film. Do you have to fall into obscurity and then come back to be cult or how does that fucking work? I, you know, uh, in a way I'm like, I could say a technical definition. Star Wars would be a cult movie. The original Star Wars. Right. Right. In yeah. that it like, it has a, like a rabbit is more beyond it. And it has this, yeah, it has this like rabidness around it. But I feel like when you say cult movie, you mean something that like only exists underground because of its underground cult. Similar to the branch Davidians, small in population and mowed down by the ATF. Yeah. Star Wars is. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yep. Okay. (laughs) I would say Star Wars is a, is a religious movie, not a cult movie because there's too many people that are into it. So therefore it moves up from a cult to a religion. It can write off tax. It has tax write-offs. Exactly. (laughs) To be semantic about it, the original Star Wars is a cult movie because it's been buried by fucking... uh, (laughs) Oh, like the the original cut. The original cut with all the shitty special effects and everything. Mm -hmm. I have it on VHS. Oh, God, you lucky bastard. Yeah, I have the original trilogy on VHS. (laughs) Which is still not the theatrical cut. Still blows my mind. Still not (laughs) the theatrical cut, even. It's bullshit. Now, the Hollywood special... It's close. Yeah, the Hollywood special. Now we're talking. Chewbacca's <laughs> With the holiday special, you mean? off. Yeah, oh, okay. yes, that's <laughs> that's cold. The Hollywood special is a different thing, right? <laughs> the holiday, yeah, the holiday. It is a Hollywood special. It. Isn't Cher in it and shit? Come on, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, there you have it, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this episode to talk about Tropic Thunder, to go a little bit off the rails, talking about other things related to it. Uh, I've been your host, John Garcia with me as always. Ryan King, the dude in the podcast talking about the movie, about the movie. Yeah, I know who I am. (laughs) (laughs) And... Michael Dixon. Remember way back when I called your mother a cankerous whore? I didn't mean that. That was way too far over the line. <laughs> I didn't remember. I forgive you. <laughs> hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.